Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the entire world that knows you can't spell Carlo Correa without Oracle Park. Whoa, whoa. Open your third eye, people. We all should have seen this coming at the beginning of the offseason. It's good to see you, Jake Mintz, on this fine Thursday morning as we have a boatload of news to Ooh. cover uh, since oh. we last uh, t- talked. yeah, A raft load, a float load. I'm just naming things that go in McCovey Cove that you can catch baseballs on. Jordan Schusterman, you look absolutely beautiful this morning. Oh, thanks, which is, man. Which is good because I slept through my alarm. Yes, you did, but it's okay. We're here. You know, yesterday when the Correa news dropped, we were like, ah, should we hop on and do a sudden baseball bonus podcast based on baseball news? Not an emergency. Uh, no, we'll wait till uh, early Thursday morning and then and then do one then because guess what? We had so much to get to and we were worried we would have another signing overnight of someone named Carlos. Thankfully not. <laughs> so instead, we are going to talk on this episode of Baseball Barbercast, of course, about Carlos Correa to the San Francisco Giants. We're going to talk about Estery Ruiz to the Oakland A's and some of the other pieces of that blockbuster. Uh, and then there's a whole mess of other signings. We will get to some percentage of them later. Uh, then we'll we'll spin around the, the, the remaining scraps of the free agent market. <laughs> but it still includes some very fun players. Um, and then we're going to talk about Baseball Reference Wrapped, which was amazing. And Jake hasn't seen it yet, so we're going to reveal that to him. And then we have a, a heartfelt tribute at the very end of our podcast, which you will hear all about. But Jake, <laughs> we must begin with Carlos Correa. Now, when I think about Carlos Correa, Mm -hmm. I think about the draft Mm. that he was taken. I think I've said this before on the show, but when I think about him, I imagine him at the draft. I believe it was, what, 2012. We were seniors in high school, right, or going into our senior year. Mm -hmm. And there he was, this baby-faced teenager, and he brought that tiny little Puerto Rican flag, right, the one with the wooden stick, right? He brought it with him, got drafted by the Astros first overall. In a jersey that he would never wear. Exactly. Those are the two things that stand out. Like, he has been in our lives as a baseball person for so long that at the draft, he held up a black and red Astros jersey next to Bud Selig. Okay? (laughs) That's how long it has been 
with Carlos Correa. Two baseball characters who operate completely distinct rooms in my brain, right? Bud Selig and Carlos Correa could not be further apart from one another. And yet there they were standing on a stage in Secaucus, New Jersey. He has already been in our baseball consciousness for a decade, and he will be for at least a decade longer as he has signed a 13-year deal worth 350 smackaroos. Just kidding, million smackaroos. <laughs> no, a smackaroo is a million. Oh, oh, okay. So then there yeah. you go. That's perfect. Um, uh, with the Giants, the Giants have, uh, after their their pursuit of a of a large uh, uh, salary <laughs> in free agency, a, a superstar, their search has concluded with one Carlos Correa. And if, when you look at the terms, like, holy shit, 13 years. Okay, longest free agent deal ever. This is amazing. Um, $350 million. This is a lot of millions of dollars. Uh, but also, when you know that they were going after Aaron Judge, who, of course, had a much more personal connection with the hometown stuff, relatively, with Judge strongly considering wanted to play for his hometown team. This is not necessarily that personal connection. At the same time, this is a nice fit for a team in desperate need of a star in the post-Buster uh, Posey era and someone who is three years younger and is a shortstop uh, and who is really awesome at baseball and who is a nerd like their president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi. So this is a really nice match. Uh, we could talk about how close this actually gets the Giants to uh, postseason relevance in 2023, but this is a very nice fit uh, that, that I like, and, and it's nice to see them them close the deal. So let's focus on Giants and Correa. There's certainly other fallout here, but what else about this fit that that, you, that are you thinking about? I know you just wrote a little bit about this for Fox, kind of looking at the other sides, the other fallout uh, of this, but let's focus on the Giants and Correa here. Because this, it, on one hand, you could look at it and be like, oh, well, they just didn't get judged, so now they get Correa. But this is not to call him a constellation is is I think a little overstated. I mean, this is one of the best players in baseball. I think you can make an argument that you would rather have Correa over the next eight years than Judge. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally legitimate. And if you look back over the last seven seasons, right, Correa I believe has produced more WAR. He's been worth thirty nine point five wins above replacement mm -hmm. per Baseball Reference over his career compared to Judge, who was at thirty seven. Right. And, you know, that it's not one for one. And Correa, I believe, came up a little earlier than Judge, which is hilarious to think about because he's so much younger. But there is an argument that you'd rather have the shortstop. Right. Especially when you take into account that Carlos Correa seems to have figured out the durability aspect of his game. Now, he got injured a lot for the first chunk of his career Reports say that he recommitted himself to being ready to play 162. He played 148, pretty good for a shortstop in 2021. Only 136 this past year, but he was on the COVID list twice, I believe, and got hit on the hand. Freak injuries, not soft tissue. And so moving forward, I feel pretty good about him being on the field every day. Yeah, I think the one concern is that it was, it was back stuff early, which is the last thing you want to hear in terms of injuries. And some of those also included some freak injuries with the broken rib, whatever. But core and back is not the kind of stuff you want to be hearing uh, in your early 20s. But in general, I agree with you. I think I'm a little bit more confident. And yeah, I think the way I think about it is that if they had gotten judge, I would feel better about their postseason chances in 2023. But beyond that, you know, like in the five-year window, if they're going to chase down the Giants, or sorry, the Padres and the Dodgers, 
Correa arguably just gives him a much safer, higher floor for that. And that that is why this is a really a really nice match, let alone the contract where it's it's you know four more years for ten million fewer dollars, uh, which is you know thinking that far into the future is is goofy. We should really only be talking about those next five years five years, which is why I just made the point that I did. At the same time, I mean this is one of the best players in baseball, and and adding him is is a, is a great step and and their best move remaining that they could have made. So when I think about Correa. In my head, right? He is associated with the idea of untapped potential. Mm-hmm. That he is yet to truly ascend to the player that he could be. That he has been phenomenal, 39 career war. But that there's something remaining for him to become. And I think that there that is true in some respects. But at the same time, that overshadows what he has been. Carlos Correa has a 129 career OPS plus, okay? He has an 836 career OPS. He has 155 career home runs as a shortstop. This guy is an outstanding baseball player already, okay? And I just think that the idea of what could he be undersells what he has already been. It's also interesting because you mentioned the untapped potential and the peak statistically was undeniably 2017 <laughs> when they were cheating and you know when he had a 941 OPS um he was hurt some of that year too 2021 he comes close you know he finishes fifth in, in MVP but honestly if we're really zooming into a Pete Carlos Correa I think about the 2020 postseason you know he did not play yeah. well in, in the short and regular season but what he was doing <laughs> in the playoffs I believe he had five home runs um during that 2020 postseason Six home runs during the 2020 postseason. They, and, of course, they didn't even reach uh, the, the World Series during that run. But his – his I mean, that was that was like, holy shit, we can't get this guy out. Uh, this is when, of course, after the scandal has come out and he's he's like ultimate villain status. But to your point, I think that there is still a ceiling here that is, you know, one of the 10 best players in the world, whereas instead he's been consistently one of the 20 best players in the world. There, We've seen him be a cheat code. Yeah. Right? where there are very few players that we've seen do that. It was like Harper last year in the mm-hmm. postseason, right? Judge for all of 2022. <laughs> but when you see I, – I think about like that month that Matt Kemp solved baseball. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, no. Josh Hamilton. Some, some real real heaters. <laughs> right. We've seen Correa solve baseball for like three weeks, and I have confidence that he can do it again. Let's talk about the cheating scandal, and then we'll move on mm. to the fit um, with the Giants – do you think the cheating scandal has any real impact or had any real impact over his market, over mm. the final dollar figure, over teams that were not interested, or is it being used as cover by teams who didn't want to drop $350 million? Uh, I don't think this matters for anyone else. I think it's cover. The Dodgers is an interesting one. Um, I do feel like it's certainly a part of the interesting spot for the Giants is because now the Giants fans can, I mean, talk about renewed sense of booing. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be incredible stuff. The Giants actually don't go to Dodger or to Dodger Stadium until June, uh, because the balance schedule now does not have uh, divisional matchups happening quite as frequently. So we will have to wait quite a while uh, to see that. At the same time, I, I think it was pr- we're probably the one year removed again. So much about it with him was that he was the most defiant, the most saying like, you know. Yes, I I will play the heel. I will play the villain. I don't care what you think about us. Uh, 
But as we mentioned, you know, he wasn't on the team this this past year when they got to go on and really prove it without him and really prove it without cheating. Um, not that they we don't think they've already, we think they've already proven it since then. But so that that leaves him in a weird spot. But talent wise, I think he's so good. I I, I don't know. I, I think that it's more that he cost three hundred fifty million dollars that priced a lot of teams out more than it was anything having to do with the cheating scandal. I think we're mostly past that. But I do think it'll help the Dodgers boo him even harder for the next thirteen years. I don't think it hampers him internally with the Giants at all. No, not at all. I think that there initially there was a lot of anger, obviously, and there still is anger within the league about what the Astros did and how brash they were in handling it. But I do think there is a level of respect that Correa gained from baseball players in the weird warped baseball player brain, professional athlete brain, because he stood up there and he took the heat, man. Like, he didn't have to do that. He, there was a path forward from the mistakes that they made, from the transgressions that they that they did, right? And I think the way that Correa handled it was the optimal way of handling it for the Houston Astros at the time, right? From the outside, taking their cheating and turning it into them being wronged somehow looked totally stupid and irrational. But internally, I think that played a decent role in their 2020 season where they turned a mediocre regular season into a great October. And I think that mattered. And I do think that there's a level of bizarre respect that Correa has warranted by the willingness he's shown to own up to his mistakes. Yeah. And listen, I'm sure at the same time, he's still viewed by other players as like, no, he is cheater number one. (laughs) Because the other ones, guys on the team, the Bregmans and Altuves, for them publicly in the the wake of it was very much like, yeah, we screwed up. Sorry. Like, I'm sorry. This is not good. Like, I'm embarrassed. But that's just because they're bad at public speaking. Honestly, like Correa is just a confident person. Sure. Sure. But again, the fact that he, that Correa was one to do it, and it's easier for people to be like, oh, you know, Bregman and Altuve, they feel bad. Correa's like, fuck off. But I agree. I agree that it did definitely, I, I think it did help them in, in 2020. So it all worked out. Anyway, the point is, is he's on the Giants now and the Dodgers fans will be booing him like crazy. Uh, like we know the twins. Let's talk about the twins here quickly. Twins reported final offer 10 year, 285 million. Hell of an offer. Better, more than Xander Bogarts got. And think about how much we were like, holy shit. I want to talk about that. That was exactly what I wanted to talk about. For a year, all we heard from Red Sox brass, from GM Chaim Bloom, was how important, how much of a priority Xander Bogarts was. And I'm planning on writing about this today. For Fox, is like, that's great. You can say every five minutes that he's important, he's a priority. But when push came to shove, their offer was bullshit. They gave a bad offer. Right, It was an unserious offer that didn't match up with the idea of a priority. On the flip side, all winter, the Twins have been saying, Carlos Correa is our guy. We love him. We want to keep him around. And 10 to 85 is a serious, legitimate offer from the Minnesota Twins. And I don't want to give out a you tried prize, right? But I think when you compare it to the Red Sox, the Twins did legitimately make a push to keep Correa around. And the Giants just priced them out. And I think by that that's <laughs> by, a, by a whole lot. And I don't think that's anything really to be ashamed of. So a little hat tip, second place prize for the Twins. Yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate. And and Aaron Gleeman wrote a really good kind of recap of the situation on The Athletic. Of course, he's as plugged in with the Twins as anybody. And like, 
it, on one hand, you say, well, we're still talking about worrying about 10 years from now. And if it's that important for the twin success right now to keep Correa, then go to 13 years, go to 14 years, go to 15 years, make it happen. At the same time, I totally agree with you. I think 10 to 85 is a very real, real offer. But in this in this market, in this situation with Scott Boris and with Carlos Correa, it's not surprising that the Giants were able to to get that done. So Twins sucks. I mean, I think that there are still moves for them to make, whether it's Swanson, whether it's Rodon. We'll deal with that, whether they do or do make do or do not make them. That's the big thing, right? Is okay. So the Twins took ten to eighty five. I guess what is that AAV like twenty eight? Twenty eight. Oh, yeah. Wow. Good. Quick, (laughs) quick maths. They took $28.5 million and they put it into a jar and they said, we're going to spend this this year. If they can take that 28.5 mil and they can distribute it around a number of other players to improve their team, I think they can be competitive in a bad division this upcoming season. Yeah, I agree. Now, let's talk about how much this actually helps the Giants and let's take, let, you know what, let's actually just combine, uh, you know, throw, throw in the, the stripling thing here into the conversation just because where, how, how good are we feeling about the Giants upgrades this season? It seems that they could still be doing more. Um, at the same time, have they done enough now adding Manaya, adding Stripling, adding Hanniger, and now adding Correa to where we can have a, a real conversation about them as, as a postseason team, maybe not with Dodgers and Padres level. But maybe, right? I mean, they, they, there are versions of this team that, that look more talented than the team that won 100-plus games ago uh, uh, last year, right? But it still doesn't look as talented as the Padres or the Dodgers in some respects. So w- how are we feeling about the Giants in that, in that level? I have 2021 brain with this team. They came out last season and had more wins than anybody else, and the team wasn't that good. And whatever magic they whipped up, whether it was getting these guys healthy, whether it was, you know, Gabe Kapler having like a plus 10 wins effect, whether it was pure dumb luck, the 2021 Giants are drugging me into believing that the 2023 Giants can outperform what we think they are, right? I'm willing to take a look at this team, the roster as currently set and say, okay, well, that's probably like an 86 win team. But they're the Giants, so they'll win 93 games, right? And maybe that's irrational, but they've shown that ability to insanely outperform. And I think they did it again last year, honestly. If you take a look at the injuries they had and the people they were playing and how awful their defense was. and Right, to still go 500. To still go 500 is kind of like that team. Look at the names. It's not good. It wasn't a good team. (laughs) And they won 82 games. I'm with you. And so I just think you give this group some weapons. I think they could use one more bat, right? I think they could use one more reliable arm in the bullpen. But, dude, one of Manaya Stripling, Alex Wood, is just going to be an all-star. Like, yeah, that's no, just the exactly. way the Giants have operated, right? And yeah. Logan Webb, friend of the show, has been under the radar, one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last couple of years. Like, I don't... The things that the Padres and the Giants do well are so different right now, right? The Padres have this incredible upper crust of superstar. If one of those guys get hurt, the Giants can easily finish above them. No doubt yeah, in my mind. I, I agree. There's there's more depth in the way of like competent players, but I am still pretty underwhelmed by this offense, especially if you have any level of jock regression or Hanniger injuries 
um, which are very possible. So I, I, I like what I'm looking at here, and I totally agree with you about the pitching. I have way more faith in the pitching to kind of maximize what they're working with, even if they are using random relievers like Junior Marte and, and John Brevia and Sam Long. Um, but I, I, they definitely need another hitter and I think they could, right. There's still, there's still room to add here. I mean, their payroll now, even after giving Correa a lot of money is, is up to 190. I mean, they're still not sniffing luxury tax. And if they really are committed to spending up and, and getting into that uh, top of the, the NOS, then, then keep going, go sign Conforto, you know, whether it's Brantley, Brantley like there are, Brantley, other, there are other fixes here. Mm-hmm. Brantley on this team is the perfect fit, man. Yeah. I mean, so- the one issue there is like him or Peterson in the outfield is like a tough look for a yeah, team that already both, has bad defense. They don't have as much room for an obvious uh, full-time DH, whereas Conforto, there's more upside as, as kind of a full-time outfielder. Um, but he's such a mystery right now that it's hard to really tell. So I agree, though, I, and, I, and I think they will. I think they will. I think they will pursue that. There are some some bats out there that can help this team because the lineup right now is still not not super great. Uh, all right, that's the Giants. That's Carlos Correa. He will be there for a very long time, and we will surely be talking about him many more times in the coming uh, 13 years. Went pretty long there on Correa, Jordan. I think let's take a quick break. And after the break, we will talk about Sean Murphy and how weird that trade was. We'll break down Chris Bassett to the Jays. Stripling, we already talked about Zunino, is good to the Guardians and a bunch of other moves. After this. Hi, this is Dave LaGreca from Busted Open, home of the best pro wrestling talk on the planet. Here two exclusive episodes every week on the Busted Open podcast. Friday afternoons, myself and Tommy Dreamer bring you the legacy of the territories, a special series looking at the history of what built pro wrestling in the U.S. Then Sunday morning, it's the Masters Class with Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry. Download Busted Open right now on the SXM app, available with all of our trials and popular plans or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on Baseball Barbacast. It's time to talk about the second biggest transaction that took place since we last spoke earlier this week. And Jake, I sit here on the Zoom wearing a Milwaukee Brewers. This is a micro brews hat. Shouts out to the Carolina Mudcats uh, alternate uh, minor league um, identity, we should say, their alter ego. The micro brews. And I'm wearing a Brewers hat to celebrate the Brewers somehow winning the Sean Murphy trade despite not getting Sean Murphy. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but let's start with Sean Murphy, the real headliner here. Sean Murphy going from Oakland to Atlanta. William Contreras heading from Atlanta to Milwaukee. Bunch of prospects from Atlanta who we'll talk about in a second going to Oakland. And Estuary Ruiz going from Milwaukee to Oakland as part of the prospect hall for one Sean Murphy. Jake, when you first saw this deal, what did you think? The whole thing was weird because of how it came out too, right? Friend of the show, Talking Jake from John Boy Media, was just tweeting teams out being like, there's a trade with these teams. He was right. And the way that it trickled out was just so bizarre because we got like an additional player in the deal every like five minutes. And for a while we were like, oh, the Brewers are involved. It must include Willie Adamas. There's, they're probably getting Sean Murphy. And, and then we saw that William Contreras was involved. It just got so confusing. And we were waiting for a good baseball player <laughs> to go to the A's. And they, it never happened. Hold hold on that. All right, let's go one team at a time here. Well, quickly to your point about how weird it was. I mean, the Braves have have made a made a name for themselves as just 
dropping the news, you know, dropping the signing, dropping the trade with their with their iconic, uh, you know, blue background, white text press release with a bunch of words. And it's just like Braves announced we've acquired good player. And it's like, holy shit. OK, well, all right. Well, I guess they did that. You know, Anthopolis moves in silence. In this case, it was the opposite of that. It was one player at a time. You know, there's nine players involved. So there was a lot to process. Three-team deals are rare, and so we had to kind of figure out who's going where, and sometimes it's like someone gets it wrong. It's like, actually, he's going to that team and whatnot. But as the dust settles, we have a very strange-looking trade from three different angles. But let's start with the simplest, which is that the Braves have acquired Sean Murphy. Coming into this offseason, we knew Sean Murphy was going to get traded. You could look around at many teams who were desolate at catcher, and you would say, wow, they could really use Sean Murphy because Sean Murphy's awesome. Instead, the team that had three competent catchers in Travis Darno, William Contreras, and Manny Pena are the team that ends up acquiring Sean Murphy. Now, how good is Sean Murphy? Because if if the team with three catchers is still willing to go out and get Sean Murphy, that must mean he's pretty good. We've kind of debated this over the last couple of weeks if we've talked about Sean Murphy, and I've kind of settled on Sean Murphy being at best the fourth catcher in baseball and at worst like the seventh or eighth. The only catchers I can come up with that I would absolutely rather have, for not even just contract, absolutely rather have than Sean Murphy, no doubt, are JT Realmuto, duh, Adley Rutschman, duh, still Will Smith because he's that good of a hitter. Those are the only three I absolutely no doubt would rather have than him. Besides him, Wilson Contreras, of course, I think Alejandro Kirk offensively has a case. You could still say Salvador Perez, I think. Um, and then Travis Darno, right, who is on the Braves. Uh, who maybe get a little older, but he he's also been a great player. So it is a short list of catchers you'd definitely rather have than Sean Murphy, but the Braves arguably already had one of them. So this is an interesting fit. Where are you on how good Sean Murphy actually is? Because I know most people haven't really been watching him recently with Oakland. Well, that's what's funny is people don't know. Mm-hmm. If you're out there and you're like, Sean Murphy is this, you probably don't know. <laughs> because you're not watching the A's every day. And if you're not watching the A's every day, that's normal. That's healthy. That's okay. I would agree with you. I think I'd rather have Wilson Contreras mm-hmm. just because of the offensive upside and the fact that he could develop defensively with the Cardinals. But yeah, I think he's definitely a top five hitter in baseball, but I wouldn't trust me. If you're listening to this, go listen to someone who watched Sean Murphy for the last three years. That and also catchers besides JT Romuto and who I believe will be Adley Rutschman and Will Smith this is what makes them so amazing. I don't trust any of them. They're like if relievers. We talking, if we were talking a year ago about this discussion, we'd be like, oh my God, he has Monty Grandal. Do you see what he just did? This Grandal guy is unbelievable. He's a great frame. He's like a 140 OPS plus. He's amazing. Oh, off a cliff. Okay. So I, you know, generally I don't trust many catchers at all, but because Sean Murphy's defensive upside is also so high, um, one of the best uh, guys controlling the running game, also just calls like he he has an excellent defensive reputation on top of the power he's giving you for a catcher. I just think he's an awesome player. So uh, he's a top five catcher, and that's why it is worth pursuing. But still weird, still weird for the Braves to be the team to get him over a team like Cleveland. Um, but but they did it. Okay, so the Braves they get better, uh, I think. But they did give up a, a good amount a good amount here uh, to get him. Uh, do you want to talk about the A's or the Brewers next? Well, I want to talk about what the Braves are going to do. So I oh, think yeah. that Travis Darno might be the single most underrated and underappreciated player in all of baseball. This guy is an offensive force still, despite being in his mid-30s. 
and he handles a Braves pitching staff that has been one of the best in baseball over the last handful of years. I mean, he is always prepared. He is always ready. He is someone who pitchers love throwing to, and I think he's a really vital part of this team. And what I think this trade does for the Braves is it allows them to ring and suck and sponge every bit of good Travis Darnot out of Travis Darnot. Because Darnot has not caught 130 games a year. He usually catches around 100. But they can keep his legs fresh and keep his bat in the lineup by DHing him, by rotating him and Sean Murphy out. And Darnot, who has an $8 million team option after this year that they will surely pick up unless he grandals, <laughs> will be valuable next year with the, that $8 million if he's able to keep his legs fresh. And I think that this is not really a passing of the torch because Murphy is only has one extra year compared to Darno. Yeah, it's three years. Yep. Sure. Unless they extend Murphy. But I do think this is a great fit. And I do think the two of them will will have a very symbiotic relationship. Keeping Darno off his legs. And when you don't have to, when you can then have Sean Murphy catching instead of William Contreras, that is a huge, huge, huge upgrade defensively, not to mention the offense that he's still providing. So I totally agree with you. And I think... It is weird because they've been so quiet in free agency uh, compared to their, uh, you know, Phillies and, and Mets. Maybe there's still a move in there for them. Shortstop is still something of a question. Left field, I think, is arguably even more of a question um, for them. So they probably still have some moves to make offensively. But I agree with you. I think how it will mesh with Darno is is great. Let's talk about the Brewers here because they wiggled their way into this deal. We knew they were also after a catcher with Narvaez. Um, hitting free agency after a down season. They still have Caratini, but he's not someone you want playing every day. And so because of that, I was like, all right, well, are they going after Sean Murphy? Do they have the the kind of the, the prospect capital to get Sean Murphy? Instead, they say, hey, Braves, actually, we'll take one of those extra catchers off of your hands. Sure, William Contreras doesn't have uh, the best defensive reputation, but five years <laughs> under contract for William Contreras, coming off an all-star season, and... We've made bad catchers into better catchers very recently. So let's just give this a shot. This dude's, what, he's 24, 25? Like, this is a no-brainer, and all we have to give up is Estuary Ruiz. Absolutely. And get a couple pitchers as well. Like, this is a, a just a, a total steal for them. Now, I, I'm going to put a tiny bit of cold water on this in a second, but I assume you generally agree that, like, this is an unbelievable uh wheeling and dealing for the Brewers when all the moves that we've heard about coming into this like oh the Brewers are going backwards oh god they might trade Adamas oh god they might trade Burns oh they're trading so-and-so to because they don't want to pay Colton Long whatever this is just a, an incredibly nifty move and and I a, an undeniable win the Brewers are very skilled this front office is very skilled at giving themselves a chance to be good mm -hmm. right there are teams that are cheap that don't even do that Right. And I think that that's what I like about the Brewers is if you look at this lineup, you're like, oh, Jesse Winker, you know, takes a nap and figure things, figures things out. Like he was one of the best hitters in baseball two years ago. Mm -hmm. Contreras is a great hitter. Adamas took a step forward. You could lie to yourself and think that Christian Yelich is going to figure things out. Right. <laughs> and then the pitching is always good. Like this team could still definitely win the division, especially with the Cardinals being like kind of meh with their additions so far this offseason, besides Wilson Contreras. Now, the one thing I'm going to throw cold water on, and I wonder if you have the same point. Yeah. I don't think that William Contreras wants to be there. Oh, 
Okay. Okay, that's not what I was going to say, but go ahead. William Contreras, when he was traded, tweeted a bunch of broken heart emojis. Mm -hmm. Now, I respect that he was honest about that, and it's clear that he had a really good group of friends in Atlanta, and he had, in his mind, thought that he was going to be there for a while, right? But Anthopolis will trade you, baby. He'll do it. There's no soul, no heart in that man, and that's why he's good at his job. And I, I'm sure he'll be fine, and I'm sure he'll adjust to this new group. But I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Where if the the value here, part of the value here is the Brewers coaching staff teaching him how to be good defensively, right? And if he doesn't want to be there at the beginning, it could get a little rocky. Now he's an adult; he's a professional. He'll adapt. He's there for four years, whatever. Just something to keep an eye on. Broken heart yeah. emoji when you're traded to a good team. Sure. I is agree weird. with you. Not a team as good as the Braves. But, you know, I think it it will balance out by the fact that the Brewers are saying, you're our dude. Like, we're, we're trying to give you 550 plate appearances, which you were never going to get in Atlanta anytime soon. Whether they can teach him to catch or not, the one thing I will point out, which in the wake of thinking like, holy shit, this is the biggest, you know, swindle in baseball history, is that... It's also possible we just saw the best 97 games of Wilson Contreras' offensive career. And I, I, I believe that they believe in the bat. But this was a prospect who was very well known because of his brother early on. And he had some good low minors numbers. He was falling out of prospect lists relatively. Like his offensive numbers, his offensive track record was nowhere near what he suddenly did in the big leagues this past year. And so on one day you say, okay, well, he figured something out. And he raked and he had 20 homers in the big leagues in 97 games. But if the headline is, oh, my God, they just traded for a 24-year-old all-star catcher with five years of control, that <laughs> could end up being a little misleading. Like, would it be surprising if that was his only all-star game? Honestly, no. Because it is because catchers are so volatile. We don't know what catching presumably a lot will do to his offense, right? That's another thing that we've seen. Uh, happen to to catchers over time, so that's the thing. I am I am not penciling in an 860 OPS for William Contreras in 2023. And but so even if it's part of, but even but if it's 760, it's a win. 100. percent That's why it doesn't matter. I'm just saying that I don't want to get too far ahead and be like, oh my god, they just got an 860 OPS catcher for five years. Like that that I think might be a little aggressive. Still easy because what did they give up? Literally just Estuary Ruiz. So let's Who talk is about that? the Who's that, Jordan? Who is Estuary Ruiz? Well, the first note is that they just got him from the Padres in the uh, Josh Hader trade, which on one hand makes you think, well, that's weird. They went out and acquired him in a huge trade for them. They must really like him. Why are they immediately flipping him that quickly? Maybe, they're, the neg hand, maybe, maybe they're negging him. On the other hand, you could say, well... Estruiz, they, I mean, he he must be something special. He must be, someone must think he's really good because he has put up very compelling numbers in the minors, the most important of which is 85 stolen bases. This is a guy with elite speed that will hopefully be uh, taken advantage of here in the near future um, if stolen bases do become a more relevant part of our major league game. His power is something that is very highly debated because, yes, he hit 16 homers with 33 doubles and is technically slugged 526, but all the underlying data suggests this dude is not hitting the ball hard consistently at all and is more of a slash and dash type, I'm going to get my extra base hits because I'm crazy fast and not going to hit the ball over the fence. Now he goes to Oakland, 
not exactly a place that until they're playing in Las Vegas is going to be particularly uh, 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 a nice place to hit. And the fact that he was clearly the missing piece to go along with the rest of the prospect hall from Atlanta, which includes Kyle Muller, big left-hander who was good in AAA last year. Freddie Tarnock, same thing, big right-hander, decent stuff. Maybe he's a reliever, whatever. Roiber Salinas, who had crazy strikeout numbers, also crazy walk numbers in A-ball last year. Uh, good stuff, but like not exactly a projectable uh, pitcher. Um, and then they got one. Did they get another prospect or was that it? I think that was it. Tarnock uh, is the yeah. guy. Oh, and then Manny Pena, who gets right. Luke voided here, which is, is tough for him. So Muller and Ruiz are clearly the headliners here. But let's let's zoom out. Let's not even talk Dude, about this. Dude, Tar- people like Tarnock. People like Tarnock. So, so Tarnock is good. But let's zoom out because the, Rays, the, the A's rebuild, I guess they could still trade Loriano. But the A's rebuild is essentially done. They have traded all of their good players. Okay? Besides Loriano. They have traded three years of Sean Murphy, a year of Bassett, two years of Olsen, two years of Chapman, a year and a half of Montas, two and a half years of Trevino, and a year of Manaya. And what do they have to show for it, Jake? Bupkiss, Jordan. Who do they have that is like, this guy will be a really good Oakland A? I count like two and a half. Who do you yeah, think? Yeah, I'm asking you, who are your two and a half? Shea Langliers. Yes. I think he's good. He'll be a good catcher. Great. But like the best version of him is maybe Sean Murphy, <laughs> who you just had and still had three years up, right? Then you have a mess of pitchers, right? Muller, Ken Waldachuk looks like he's pretty good. Okay. Cusack. Uh, Cusick, who was not good when he got came out of the trade. Um, you know, Muller, okay, he's big league ready. The one to, that I am most interested in, uh, who has, has been hurt is coming back is Gunnar Hoagland. I think he will be awesome. I think they got him for Chapman. That's the one I, I am buying in on. But a ton of pitchers, guys that have not performed well. Joey S has not been good. Adam Aller does not exactly look like a big league guy, right? And then you have Christian Pache, who by trading for Estuary Ruiz, you're basically already saying like, yeah, Pache is probably not our center fielder. <laughs> and that was a year later, right? And I'm just looking at this haul and I'm just like, man, like this is, this makes me feel so much better about some of these other rebuilds where you can at least point to a couple players in their system and be like, well, if that guy pops, I mean, listen, the Juan Soto trade is heartbreaking and still embarrassing on a lot of levels because you had a generational talent, but at least I can look at the Nats farm system and be like, well, damn, James Wood might be holy shit good. Oh, damn. You know, Elijah Green, who they just drafted because they sucked, you know, he might be really good. Like they're every other bad team. You could look at their farm system and be like, they might have a crazy, holy shit guy except Oakland. And that is really concerning for a team that already has such dire uh, uh, prospects as an organization and franchise moving forward. So that's where I'm at with Oakland. It's very sad. I tweeted this, but I find it to be incredibly embarrassing. People dunk on A's fans all the time for not filling that cavernous coliseum. But it's like, would you pay to watch this shitty team? Would you pay for this? I wouldn't pay for this. Like, I would much rather go to the movies. That's who they're competing against, right? You're not competing against them going to see another sports team. It's about other entertainment options. And if I'm an A's fan, I'm pocketing that $20 I'm not watching this shitty group. No, thank you. My front office isn't, and my ownership group isn't caring about investing in this team. Why should I? And especially now, with Vegas looming, that is an even bigger deal. Because in the past, the A's would do this, right? They would essentially compete and then purge and then compete and then purge. And every three years, they were able to build themselves back up. At no point did I ever think they would do it each time, right? It was like, 
man, they're going to be bad for a while. And so and then maybe they were... it'll happen again, but it's boy, it is harder than ever to look at what they have here strictly roster wise, let alone what they're spending and think that there's any hope, let alone in the division now that is that is, you know, building up in the way that it is. Yeah, it's just so, a freaking bummer. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, so sorry, Ace fans. I hope Esri Rees is miraculously amazing. Um, okay, uh, let's just bounce around a couple other moves. I mean, listen, there was a lot that happened. Um, so let's just do quick thoughts here. Uh, hey, and quick, then we'll, quick, 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 yeah, quick, quick thoughts. Quick thoughts, quick thoughts. We already t- touched on stripling with the Giants again. The same thing. It's literally identical contract to Manaya. Just, you know, a right-handed version upside. He certainly had a better season in 2022, um, but I think that's a great no-brainer fit. So and the Giants have shown an ability to get the most out of kind of these mid-pitchers. Yes. Right? They've done it with Di Sclafani. They've yep. done it with Alex Cobb. Yep. They it sort of did it with Carlos Rodon. That's a yep. little bit different. Yeah, <laughs> that's different. But, you know, Alex Wood, I mean, they, they've they've had a lot, of, a lot of success with those guys. So. Logan Webb, even? Yeah, well, I, I they, easy fit. More, more uh, impactfully is Chris Bassett, uh, one of the few uh, remaining qualifying offer guys, going to the Blue Jays. Like this a lot. We we just talked on Monday about how the Blue Jays finally did something with Kiermaier. Then they followed up with Bassett, which which puts their rotation in a in a pretty a pretty nice spot. Um, they could probably still uh, afford to to add some more offense because uh, Kiermaier isn't exactly going to replace Teoscar Hernandez offensively. Uh, at the same time, I, I think Bassett is the kind of certainty. That they really need because that that is exactly what you're paying for with Chris Bassett is he will give you you know 30 starts and 170 innings and and w- when you look at the, the kind of pitching that they've gotten which has been good it's been talented but also in sometimes you know fall, fall off a cliff like Barrios they need some certainty and Bassett is, is very much that I thought that was a really nice move for them yep no brainer fit really really like that move uh Mike Zanino my He's beloved good. Mike Z who is still good despite coming off thoracic outlet surgery which is terrifying Goes to the Guardians for $6 million. Love this fit, too. This is basically just a like slightly worse defender, but but also way higher upside hitter than Austin Hedges. Um, perfect. This is the perfect guy that you bring in. If you're not going to trade prospects for Murphy and you believe in Bo Naylor, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. He can hit it out of the infield, which they haven't didn't have last year. Same thing with Josh Bell. I, I really like what, what Cleveland has done quietly this offseason. He's going to run into 20 bombs at least, probably run into one in the postseason, mm-hmm. and that's a lot more than an Austin Hedges was able to do. <laughs> yes, he's right. Listen, he's going to strike out a shit ton for sure. That is the thing that, that will make it very different in this lineup. But that's okay. It's okay to have – yeah. there is a trade-off there. That is modern baseball. And Cleveland is, is finally realizing, uh, maybe we can take a few more strikeouts. So I'm going to peel the curtain back here. I was texting with Stephen Kwan, which sounds like a humble brag. I understand that. To try and get uh, him on the podcast, and we're hopeful he'll be joining us at some point in January. And Stephen Kwan, Guardians outfielder. I said, that sounds great. Let's talk in January. By the way, congrats on Bell and Zunino. Those are two super well-respected good dudes. And he responds, Zunino? Question mark. And I was like, yeah, you guys signed Mike Zunino about four hours ago. And it's just a great example of players or some players are not as plugged in on the day-to-day as we are <laughs> they're not looking at tweet deck 10 hours a day uh, that's no. weird uh, uh steven kwan doesn't have better things to do that's weird so in steven's kwan in steven kwan's mind i was first <laughs> jake first yes exactly you're his 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 number one source even though the news had been out there for four hours so i love that fit and, and for me who was terrified he was going to go to the astros 
Uh, love it, love it, love it, love it. I can super root for him. And maybe now being in Cleveland, uh, not you know just a four hour drive for me here in Indiana, maybe I can and go ask Mike Zanino himself if he's good. So wow. looking forward to that. Uh, other biggest move uh, that happened uh, was was late yesterday afternoon. Noah Syndergaard signing with the Dodgers. Sounds like he turned down a couple multi-year offers um, to take a one-year $13 million deal with the Dodgers. Uh, and I would do the same thing if I was Noah Syndergaard because if I was a pitcher and I would like to have a good and cool ERA next season, I would sign with the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, is what he did. And I think that was a, a nice, nice little move. Listen, we've talked a lot about how skeptical we are that Noah Syndergaard will ever come anywhere close to what he used to be because his stuff is just nowhere close. But I think he can be uh, he's he can be a good pitcher. I that I never said he couldn't be a good pitcher. And like I said, I feel way better about him doing it this year with the Dodgers than last year for 21 million with the Angels. I don't think it's a binary though. It's not like Noah Syndergaard stays throwing 94, 93 or gets back to 99. I think there's a legitimate world where he can get back to 96, 97. Yeah. Right. Uh, And that makes him a really good pitcher. And there's no better place to do that than the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. And if I'm Noah Syndergaard, I'm pulling up to the facility like now, like literally right now. And I'm saying, Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, Dodgers pitching (laughs) development. You've shown an ability. Take the wheel. Take the wheel, Connor McGinnis. I am your servant. Whatever you want me to do, I will do because they have shown that ability to get the best out of pitchers. And I like this fit a whole lot. Jordan, does Noah Syndergaard start a postseason game in 2023? Oh, man, that's a great question. I'm still going to say no, but I do like this a lot. And they they really need this because their their rotation did not have if, – if if Syndergaard did prove it, one thing this past year is that he, he was pretty durable. And that's not something that a lot of the rest of this Dodgers rotation is proven right now. We know Kershaw's back, but I'm not – Kershaw's back. We know – that was talk about double entendre there. We know Kershaw's back, but we also know Kershaw's back is not great. And so <laughs> I feel like having someone like Syndergaard, uh, who will probably be able to take a turn every five or six days, is, is nice and, and comforting for Andrew Friedman. I feel something in my bones, Jordan. Oh, yeah. What is that? What is that? It's a hot take. Oh, 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 are you going to say he is going to start? Are you going to say he's going to start game one of a postseason game? I'm smelling Noah Syndergaard all-star appearance in 2023. <laughs> yeah. I think what will happen is the Dodgers will either break him and he will be hurt or he will be an all-star in 2023. <laughs> that's your binary for him. Um, yes, that's that's very funny. Remember this moment. Yeah, remember this moment. Uh, and then, you know, Ryan, you're of the Royals. They're creating an old Dominion super team with Vinny Pasquantino and their manager, uh, Matt Quattraro. I don't know why they didn't sign Verlander. Very strange. Maybe they can trade for P.J. Higgins. Uh, Michael Lorenzen to the Tigers. Uh, Tigers, sure. Michael Lorenzen, Matt Boyd. All right. Whatever. Sounds good. And then J.P. Fireisen uh, to the Dodgers. Also, Michael, he's, hurt. he's also hurt for next year. He'll be great in 2024, I'm sure. Uh, but Michael, we need to talk, yeah. Michael Lorenzen's putting the mid and Midwest there with that move. <laughs> uh, Fireisen will be awesome for the Dodgers in 2024 when he's back. And then the last one is Vince Velasquez to the Pirates. Jake, I want – this is – before we talk about the Pirates hype video, I want to ask you this because everyone was dunking on the Pirates – tweeting a Vince Velasquez, we signed Vince Velasquez hype video. And I was like, listen, I agree. That's hilarious. But when I think Vince Velasquez, I do think of someone who also has had upside. Didn't remember when he struck out 16 guys against the Padres. I remember so vividly where I was for that game. 
Um, I think it was in 2016 or 17. I was still still in college. I remember that. Um, great stuff. It's never worked. And his career numbers are so much worse than what I feel like we still have assumed Vince Velasquez could be. It is honestly stunning. He has never posted an ERA under four at any point in the majors, despite being in the big league since 2015 with what looks like plus stuff. It is amazing. It is amazing. And I am a sucker for it. I, <laughs> I would continue to, I would have made the hype video too. Honestly, I am the world's number one Vince Velasquez believer. Even at age 31, there's something in the tank. The pirates are just hoping that they can get two and a half months of Vince Velasquez being incredible, and then they can trade him for Mar- like you know exactly. Von Grissom. More, more prospect. Go, yeah. go! I encourage everyone to go watch his April 2016 complete game shutout, 16 strikeouts, no walks against the Padres. Lit quite literally one of the best games pitched of the last 10 years. It was Vince Velasquez. Let's talk hype video. Here's here's the rule. Okay. Here's here's what I will say about this. This could have been a graphic. Mm. You know, the, it could have been a meeting or it could have been a phone call. It could have been an email. Didn't need to be a meeting. Okay. This could have been a graphic. No one dunks on a graphic, but it's the it's the video. It's the video that people dunked it's the on. It's music, dude. It's I the music. It's the music. And it's like, again, it's like. Just show the highlights from from 2016. You might as well at that point. Like if you're going to hype it up, you might as well go back to when he actually did look like something that could be something of an awesome big league pitcher as opposed to the five ERA he just posted with the White Sox. I like the part in the video, the edit, where the jersey changes from the White Sox jersey to the Pirates jersey. That's pretty cool. And I don't want to dunk on teams for trying. And I like Vince Velasquez, but like, if you tweet our guy Vinny, okay, what percentage of Pirates fans does it need more context? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Our guy Vinny, 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 it's not even his name. No one calls him Vinny Velasquez. Like, that's what's <laughs> that's, confusing. That was my other takeaway. I was like, wait, do people call him Vinny? Well, they will now. Mm. And if he's great for the Pirates this year, this will be an all time. You know, they knew before us. So good luck. We'd love to see the Pirates have success. All right, Jake. Those are the moves. I'm sure there will be plenty more by the time we uh, <laughs> we post this pod. But now free agency, as we mentioned, is thinned out. Um, I mean, listen, we're waiting on Rodon. We're waiting on Swanson. We're waiting on Ivaldi. Benintendi has had so few rumors. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm thinking about the teams that still haven't done that much. Certainly the Orioles. The Mariners have only spent on Trevor Gaunt. The Cubs, yes, they've signed Bellinger and Tyon, but boy, their fans are not happy. The White Sox, too. The Red Sox still have some moves in them. Uh, what were your vibes left with, with free agency here? Is it going to slow down now, or are we just going to wrap up these these big moves by the end of the week? Um, I think we'll have one big fish, either Swanson or Rodon after Christmas. Um, could, is definitely a possibility at this point. I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, okay, sure. And the Tampa Bay Rays' success is currently stunting the offseason of at least three teams, if not more. (laughs) Uh, The Cubs, Mm -hmm. the Red Sox, and I think the Orioles are all raising right now. 
And I think it will work for the Orioles because they are a small market team and they have taken the time to build an impressive player development factory. And that is the key. That is what the Red Sox and the Cubs are missing right now. The reason the Rays shtick has worked is because every year they're able to manufacture two to three legitimately good big league players, right? From nowhere. And the reason they've been able to do that The reason they've been able to do that is because they have built an impressive development apparatus and player acquisition apparatus over the last decade. It has taken them a decade to implement this. Cleveland too, by the way. Cleveland too. The Cubs and the Red Sox have not done that. And I think this is most relevant with Chaim Bloom, right? Chaim Bloom came from the Rays to be the GM of the Red Sox and is trying to run the Red Sox like the Rays, but he's only been there three years and hasn't had the time to set up this player development system. And what that means is, when a guy gets hurt and you're calling someone up, Tristan Cassis, who's a good player, is not ready to go right away because you're not the Rays anymore, right? You're not. And the Rays brain is, is keeping the Cubs and the Red Sox from spending money on good players right now, which is how the Cubs and the Red Sox become good. And in Chaim's case, I like Chaim, dude. He's a nice guy. And I think he's really smart. But I'm worried because if he keeps trying to run this team like he ran Tampa, I think he's very much on the hot seat. And I think you have to act quickly in these places. You don't have the time to fail. And yet, when I look at the Red Sox roster, I still feel better about them somehow having a good season than the Cubs right now. Yes, they're in a much harder division, but they the Red Sox still do have some star-level players on their team that the Cubs simply do not right now. There is not someone on the Cubs right now where I'm like, I, I mean, sure, you could say Bellinger if we're really going Hail Mary, but there's not guys on the Cubs roster right now, like if we go back to the race, like Wander Franco or Shane McClanahan, who can be one of the, or even Brandon Lau, who can be one of the best players at their position. They don't have that right now. And I love Ian Happ and I love Nico Horner. Like these are good, solid players. But to make, to be a difference maker, to have a, like a Rafi Devers, who of course was there since long before Bloom was there, like those are the players that make differences. And those are the players you generally have to pay for if you are not going to sign and develop them the way that Cleveland has with Jose Ramirez and developed like Shane Bieber and the way Tampa has with McClanahan and Franco and Lau. And the Cubs haven't done that yet. Maybe they will someday, but they're not there right now. And that's why fans are not, don't not want to hear Jed Hoyer point to the Rays and be like, well, the Rays don't have stars. We can still win this way. It's like, no, dude, you're the Cubs. You have so much money. Spend it to go try and get the good players because you can do that and the Rays can't. These two teams have followed the same path in a very interesting way. Losers forever, 21st century hits, they break their curses, and then they spend that money to develop the area around their ballpark into a money-making machine. And what that means is that winning baseball games means less to the financial bottom line of the Red Sox and the Cubs more than maybe any other team in the in the league, right? I would say the Cubs are number one because fans, shouts out to Cubs fans, they show when the team is shit. They've showed when the team is shit for years and they'll continue to show when the team is shit. And Wrigleyville and that whole area that they've developed is, is going to be a cash cow and the Red Sox are almost done with their version of it too around Fenway. And that's a cool for fans, but at the same time, it's like, the, does the winning matter as much? And we've seen ownership's reluctance to spend. And this is what is related, right? Like 
If Jed Hoyer could choose how to run the Cubs, he would not run it like the Rays. Okay? He would run it like the Padres or the Dodgers, everyone or the Mets. That's what the GMs want. But the GMs that get hired to run the teams trying to save money are hired because the ownership group thinks they can run it like the Rays. Chaim Bloom would love to spend money. Look at what happened to Andrew Friedman. He was running the Rays and he went to LA and then he just started spending all the money, right? But ownership groups like the Cubs and the Red Sox don't want to spend the money and so they hire guys who they think can run it like the Rays and it's just incredibly disappointing. Really disappointing. I agree. Um, so Cubs, we'll see if they can get Swanson. Or, I also I also um, think the Red Sox, I know they overperform randomly from year to year. I take a look at this, this roster and I'm incredibly underwhelmed. Okay, I just to quickly go through it. Every single person I've talked to about Yoshida thinks it was an incredible overpay, which is a bummer because he seems like a really fun player, but he's not going to hit more than eight home runs. Verdugo and oh, I'll Dever- take the, I'll slam the over on eight homers, but that's, right. that's fine. That's fine. I, 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 it could be an overpay and he could still be good. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Verdugo and Devers are both good. Devers is a star. Verdugo is solid. Trevor Story had the second largest K rate jump in baseball last year. Already, he and was hurt the whole year. I don't he was hurt Trevor the whole year, and I think Trevor I don't think he's that bad either. Going to be pretty good. I think I he's fine. Uh, Eric Hosmer is not good. <laughs> they they have more. They need to do more too. To, to be clear, Eric Hosmer is not good. Tristan yeah. Cassis could be good, but he might not be. Uh, Kike Hernandez was one of the worst players in baseball last year. Granted, he was hurt. Yep. He's not as good as he was in twenty one. He's not as bad as he was last year. Reese McGuire got hot and is fine. Christian Arroyo is not a guy. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck strikes out all the time. Their rotation, Chris Sale, if he's good, will be Chris Sale. And if he's not, he won't. I really like Garrett Whitlock. I think he's pretty good. Nick Pavetta is incredibly mid. Brian Bello, Bayo has barely pitched in the big leagues. And I don't believe in James Paxton. This team is going to win 78 games. Sorry. Right. As it's currently a, constructed, I'd the hammer the under. More than 78 games? No, but the Cubs are, <laughs> the Cubs were not in the ALCS two years ago. I was just just comparing. No, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I I'm, I I think that's very possible. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, either neither their off seasons are over, so we'll see what happens. Jordan, let's take a quick final break, and when we get back, we will have a little bit of fun. We will stop yelling about the Red Sox. Mm. Sorry, I got on my soapbox there. But hey, you know why they call it a soapbox, Jordan? Why Why do they call it a soapbox? Because when you get off of it, you feel clean. We'll be back to joke around and banter about a lot of stupid shit after the break. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast to wrap up. And maybe I'm biased, but I think this has been a really great, delightful show. I think this has been a really good version of Baseball Barbacast. And Jordan, before we get out of here, let's talk about the holidays. So, Jordan, how do you consume your music? Do you Are you a Spotify or I Apple am, Music guy? I am Spotify or? through and through. Yep. Okay. I'm an Apple Music guy. I always have been, which was a little uh, difficult when uh, we worked f- – uh, for a Spotify, um, uh, whatever. Anyway, there's Spotify Wrapped. I'm 
sure people know it dominates social media at the beginning of the December about the music that people listen to. I don't post mine because I have Apple Music and I fall asleep to the same album every night. And so mm. my rap is just not interesting at all. And you don't like music. And so yours mm. is not interesting either. Mm. But what is interesting is that Baseball Reference does its own version of Spotify Wrapped by state, the most searched player by state on baseballreference.com. Yes. I have not looked at this yet, and you're going to reveal it to me. So they, it's a four-part a four part thing. I believe they've done this in the past, but I don't remember it being this detailed. So we have four categories, okay, Jake? We have the most player page views by state. We have the most viewed team pages by state. We have the, this is, I think, my favorite one, the most viewed player pages on a single day. So you're matching a player to a day. And then we have the top 10 player page views of the season. So 10 players that have been viewed by the most. So the map, which I think was going around the most on Twitter, um, is, is what I just said, right? The most player page views by state. Now, I'm just going to tell you, uh, it's possible you, you already saw some of the fun ones here, but I'm more interested in the, the other three. So let's, let's get this, this one out of the way. The main thing to know is that 40 of the 50 states were either Aaron Judge or Albert Pujols. Okay, so I'm just moving oh, wow. to the side. 40 of the 50 states, uh, Pujols, I think even more than Judge, were Albert Pujols or Aaron Judge. So Good there for were 10 him. states where the player page with the most views was not Albert Pujols or Aaron Judge. Okay. And so I'm just going to go through them and see if you can guess them. I'm going to do the easy ones first, okay? Uh, does that sound good? Sounds great to me. You can guess the player. We're, 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 you know, I'm not going to give you too much time, but we're going to move through these pretty quickly because I think the other ones are, are even more fun. Um, Michigan. Michigan, uh, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera, correct. Wisconsin. Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich, good. Um, Alabama. It's probably a brave. Yep. Um, it's probably a brave who was notable this year. I'll say Dansby or Matt Olson. Matt Olson. Matt Olson. There you go. Uh, okay. So those are those are really the easy ones. Um, then we get into the fun ones. Uh, let's go to Wyoming. <laughs> Brandon Nimmo. Wyoming. Uh, oh, I'll tell you that Wyoming is uh, not an active player. Babe Ruth. Nope. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. All right. So Barry Bonds, that was Barry Bonds. Um, I was apparently in Wyoming a lot more than I thought this past year. So Barry Bonds, that's the only Barry, that's the only Barry Bonds one, though. Okay. I, I didn't know that Grant Brisby lived in Wyoming. <laughs> Colorado. How about Colorado? I'll say also also a even older former player. So this is weird. A weird one. A Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters ever. You're not Mike guess Schmidt. This. No. Uh, a little bit earlier than that. Lou Gehrig. <laughs> no, a little bit later than that. Ted Williams. No, Stan Musel. Stan Musel in Colorado. So no Rockies breaking through in Colorado. Alaska, another former great player along, if not Mike Schmidt. It Kurt is. Schilling. Uh, no, <laughs> no, thankfully. George Brett. George Brett. Uh, for some reason, Alaska. Alaska just loves pooping themselves, I guess. Yes. Uh, and then uh, New Mexico, we have a uh, one of the best players in baseball. Um, Alex it Bregman. Not, it's not Alex Bregman. It's not Alex Bregman. <laughs> uh, best hitters in baseball. Um, he just changed teams. He cried a lot about it. 
Uh, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. New Mexico loves Freddie Freeman. Okay, great. So now we get into the fun ones. Okay, those are all the boring ones. And I'm just going to tell you these because there's no way you're going to guess. Um, the two ones that have caught the most attention are Delaware. Paul Pete, Goldschmidt. Pete Browning. Do you know who Pete Browning is? <laughs> I have never heard those two words together. Pete, Pete Browning? Browning? Pete Browning, uh, who won three batting titles in the 1880s for the Louisville Colonels, was number one for Delaware. All this tells me, don't look it up, because early indications suggest we should definitely be doing a dead ball Mad Libs for Pete Browning. So just save that. Just save that. So that's the weird one. And then for Hawaii, it was a Seattle Mariner. Oh, Colton Wong. It is not Colton Wong, because he was not on the team yet. It is Dylan Moore. <laughs> Dylan Moore. <laughs> Somehow, I still have not figured that one out. But my favorite one, even above Dylan Moore and Pete Browning, is South Dakota. A Minnesota twin in South Dakota. 2022. Minnesota twin. Who you got? Gary Sanchez? No, but great guess. Uh, 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 Gio. Gio Urshela. <laughs> Gio Urshela, who was quietly very good for them. He was a totally good player. He was way better than Josh Donaldson. Jordan, pop quiz. Yep. Is Mount Rushmore in North or South Dakota? It is in North Dakota, I believe. I don't know. Oh, okay. It is in South Dakota. It is in South Dakota. I apologize. Gio Urshela and all of South Dakotans. That was tough. Why did I not know that? I think I, 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 I totally, I totally like overthought that all right let's move on to the next map i actually the, the next one isn't that interesting i'm just going to send you um this i one. have it i have it up i, I opened it just okay to- the just the, the most viewed team pages by state is anything interesting here <laughs> i think the padres dominating montana is uh, a little a little interesting that's a little disappointing for the mariners there sorry um, let me just do a quick read here okay here's what's interesting to me yeah. uh maine having the phillies tells me that they just love postseason baseball the A's dominating, what state is it? Rhode Island? Yeah. That makes no sense to me. That's Rhode the, Island. The Reds dominating Delaware? Did Pete Browning play for the Reds? Uh, I don't uh, know. He played for, was oh, I guess he did play for the Reds. Yeah, in 1892. So maybe, okay, that's- so maybe that's it. <laughs> and then the A's dominating, like the A's having three states on here is very bizarre. I love Cleveland in Nebraska. That one makes me laugh. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so there's a good one. Okay, so, so then don't, the, the last two ones I do want to quiz you on because I think these are the most fun. Okay, so this is most viewed player pages on a single day. All right? So you're matching a player with a single day. The first one is a milestone and the other two are trades. The other two are actually both just on the trade deadline, but you need to guess who the players are. Okay, so the first one is, is uh, it's, it's a layup. It's it's either uh, Miggy 3000 or Pujol 700. Pujol 700, correct. So that's number one, September 24th. Pujol's most page views on a single day, September 24th, 700th home run. Okay, number two. This is a <laughs> trade. Number two is someone that was traded at the deadline. Both of these are August 2nd. So who are the I mean, two players that were traded that got clicked on the most? Soto. Nope. Okay. That's... My best guess. Um, <laughs> but. Was it someone in the Soto trade? Mm, mm. Was okay. it someone in the Soto trade? Mm. There's no way it was. Luke Voigt? Oh, another interesting guess. No. 
But if it wasn't Luke Voigt, was it Eric Hosmer? Eric Hosmer. What? <laughs> Number two, Eric Hosmer, which is so funny. Oh my god, that's because then it's like all of Boston being like, "Is this guy really that bad? Like, is like, yes. what's the deal here?" Yes. Okay. And then the third one, the third one you should be able to get trade deadline. Who? Yes, trade deadline. Uh, a lot of fans, and this is another one of like, wow, Cho- Joey Gallo to the Dodgers. No, but interesting. Good, it's a good, solid thinking. Solid thinking. Um, this one ages great, honestly. Um, and it will be much more relevant for his team than Eric Hosmer will be in 2023. Position player or pitcher? Position player. Position okay. player. Was it a big deal? It, I mean, it was a yeah. It, it turned out to be a big deal. This is not a minor thing. Um, but it was the, the circumstances of the trade were the timing of the trade was was notable for sure, um, because that player could not walk, and that player oh, is Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. <laughs> Harrison Bader, number wow. three. So there you go. That's great. Um, all right, and then finally the top ten player page views of twenty twenty two. So this is, I mean, this is easy. You could rattle these off. So you want to? We have we have two. We have one former player, and we have. I okay. guess Albert Pools counts as a former player now. So Pools, all right. So you want to just rattle off the the, the top ten? Pools, Judge Otani. Yep. Yep. Um, I'll do Verlander. Yep. Verlander ninth. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one cares about Goldschmidt, so he's not Correct. on there. Um, I'll do uh, who got traded? Soto got mm-hmm. traded. Soto number five. Yep. Um, people love Bonds. I'll do Bonds. Yep, Bonds, number six. Uh, former player. I'll do Trout. Yep, Trout, number four. You need two more. One of them you've already named. Uh, who? Miguel Cabrera. Miguel and Cabrera. seven, who I'm sure you have spent a lot of time. is Bryce Adley Harper. Rushman. And then oh. number 10 is another one you've already... Not Adley Rushman. And another one you've already named. Um, but this one surprises me. And that is Joey Gallo, number 10. <laughs> so it seems that's that, so funny. That's just mad Yankees fans, dude. And then and then Dodgers fans, right? So Joey Gallo, number tenth most viewed player page behind possibly nine Hall of Famers. Incredible. Uh, I mean, Judge will be interesting. You know, I would love might never my, make it. I would love to have this personalized for me. Oh my god! Like my Sean IP Foreman. address. Or like Don't our like the account like my baseball reference account. Ooh, Sean Foreman. We should uh, we should legitimately ask Sean about this. All right, this pod has gone quite long, but we have one final thing we have to mention. We have to do it. Do we have to do it? I think we do have to do it. We have to do it to him. <laughs> we wanted to uh, to a heartfelt tribute because a tweet, the first tweet I saw this morning. Uh, was last night when I went over my computer and I have my Twitter list of teams, team accounts. And the Colorado Rockies tweeted something last night. The Rockies are saddened to hear of the passing of Petey the Donkey, a regular visitor at Coors Field. Sending our love to Sea Lazy U Ranch, which appears to be a dude ranch in, in Colorado. And this just got me thinking about a lot of things. First of all, rest in peace, Petey the Donkey. Because clearly, Petey the donkey was loved. So we salute. This is not meant to make fun of uh, the passing of a donkey. However, the tweet alone, <laughs> however, the tweet does prompt many questions about Petey the donkey's role in Rocky's franchise history. 
And so I just wanted to do a little digging here uh, on Pete Donkey and, and give a, a real heartfelt salute here because I have so many questions and now I just want to know everything about Pete the Donkey. So um, I, you want to just go back and forth with questions? Sure. Sure. So this says the Rockies are saddened. I want to focus on these two words here, the Rockies. Mm-hmm. How many current Rockies know about Petey the Donkey? Players. Right. Blackman? Yes. Blackman 100% knows about Petey the Donkey. Because doing some research on Petey this morning, the main things that I've learned is that Petey has been coming to Coors Field since at the earliest 2011. Okay. All right. So, Petey, I don't know the most recent time Petey was at Coors Field. Well, he's been sick. He, it's. I assume he's been been kind of going through. Petey, the did they have? Did they have like a George H. W. Bush moment where they like brought Petey out? Petey, to, I, that's the thing. at the I end. Petey made it this season. Petey was thirty, which apparently is in line with Donkey lifespan. Is that ass years or? No, that's that's real real ass years. <laughs> Non has not ass years. And so yeah, like that's that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good run, right? Um for Petey. But I'm I'm going back, like if you if you Twitter search Petey the Donkey, I see uh Rockies beat writer Thomas Harding with a picture of him in 2014. I see him again. This picture with Carlos Gonzalez is apparently from 2015. Um and I t- like he actually does seem like he was a pretty big deal. How regular of a visitor do you think? Like how many games a year so was Petey the Donkey? Coming this, out. This was my next biggest question. And it does seem like that this ranch is, is you know, Rocky sponsor, which, which makes sense. Um, my question is, right, regular visitor, because if you were talking about a person as a regular visitor, how often would that be? Like, does that mean season ticket holder? It does depends how mean- famous you are. It depends how famous you are. So I would oh, say like Larry story. King, RIP to another donkey legend. Um, like Larry King was probably there like once a month at, at Dodger Stadium, Stadium, right? Yeah. And that, I would say he's a regular visitor. But I would say for an average fan who's not famous, it's once a homestand. Once a homestand. But the <laughs> visitor, too, is is a funny way to, <laughs> to phrase any You know who's a regular visitor at Coors Field is the is Fernando Tatis Jr. Or- <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because he's going a couple times a year. Also, um, how often did Petey stay for the game is another question I have. Right, because how many final outs did Petey the Donkey because witness? Presumably, Petey was there. Clearly, a lot of pregame ceremonies, celebrations, but you can't bring Petey up to the owner's suite. I mean, maybe you can. Maybe like, they did like a petting thing on the concourse. Oh, like during the game. That is probably the most likely version of Petey staying for the whole game. Um, so that's a good one. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, this is a great tweet from Nick Roke, who we just spent some time in in San Diego. It's from April 2015. Carlos Gonzalez just had his photo taken with Petey Donkey. The ass belongs to a Rocky sponsor. They wanted to bring their donkey to the game. <laughs> uh, who? Yeah, I, I really love like the sponsor emailing the Rockies and being like, can we uh, bring the donkey? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, of course. I mean, this is something this is much more fitting and appropriate in Colorado. I remember when Todd Helton uh, played his final game, they gave him a, a horse, like a new, they just gave him a horse on the field before the game. You know, they have retirement gifts. Yeah. Um, and he's, I'm sure he's got a ranch. I'm sure Todd Helton is, is saddened today over the passing of Peter Donkey. So, so yeah, man, I mean, I, I would love to hear, like, honestly, I would love to hear from some Rockies fans. Does this matter to you? Does this matter to you? 
did you know, like, how clearly did you know, like, oh, God, like, Petey the Donkey, whether whether you were truly emotionally Im- impacted or not? Like, I want to know how big of a deal this was because I learned about Petey the Donkey for the first time this morning, and I want to know how far behind I am. That is I, why we are bringing this up on the podcast. I didn't even know he was sick. <laughs> was he sick? I don't know. Maybe he just reached the end of his donkey life, and that's okay. You know, when the Cubs won the World Series? Mm-hmm. And it was, there were these stories about like grandparents who'd passed away like three years before they won. If the Rockies win it in 2023 and Petey the Donkey just missed out, I mean, we're going to win it for Petey. Can we get like a Petey the Donkey like black outline patch that goes on the uniform? Uh, my last thought is I appreciate everyone making little Sebastian jokes um, in the uh, replies. Uh, all right. Thank you all for listening. Bye, <laughs> bye, Petey the Donkey. Uh, thank you all for listening to Baseball Barbacast. Thank you to Chris Tyler for editing this monster of an episode. Hopefully there's not too much other news that breaks between now and Monday's episode, but we are excited to be bringing uh, more podcasts to you still twice a week throughout this off season. Um, this has been a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, this was, this was a good pod. I agree with you. I think... I think this was this was good. This was a first uh, post SBF arrest uh, podcast, so that's really exciting. Who? Never mind. Oh um, yeah, we got, we, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, but yeah, I think I think this was a good pod. We hope you enjoyed it. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. B a r b cast at gmail.com. Jake Please Kyle email pod. us. I'm so lonely. Yes, we've been getting we some good read emails. Them. This we was read the long pod, so we didn't include any this time. Next week, much more likely. So send us your emails, send us your thoughts, send us your feelings, send us your PD the donkey condolences, and we will talk to you next Monday. Sam Bank from Freed, not a friend of the show, for the record. Serious XM Podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.